he broadcasts what the regime fears most, the truth. Oh. Thank you, Mr. President. Very nice of well, you to notice. I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck From in Pacifica the Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ and in Cottage Grove on Queso. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, in Maui, Hawaii on KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, in Palinville, New York on WLPP, in Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR, in New Orleans on WHIV, in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, on Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Seattle, Washington's KODX, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on your internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Detour Talk, and other, many other fine affiliates, both terrestrial and internet. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. We will begin our special post State of the Union coverage momentarily with our two guest panelists and, of course, the delightful and uh, usually informative Desi Doyen. (laughs) I'm here. You are. Did you survive listening to the speech at least twice so you could uh, cut us a few clips to use today? Yes, I managed. You look delighted about that. <laughs> All right, our, our uh, panelists will join, join us momentarily, but very quickly, a few breaking news items today of note before we get started. As a lot of news has already swamped much of the uh, presidential address last night, and I put the word presidential in quotes, Brenda Fitzgerald, Trump's chief of the Centers for Disease Control, was forced to resign today. Politico had reported on Tuesday that Fitzgerald had invested money in big tobacco shortly after being installed as the top official at the CDC, which is charged with reducing tobacco use. Fitzgerald had come under scrutiny when she was first appointed last year by Trump's now similarly resigned in disgrace Health and Human Services Secretary Tom Price, a fellow Georgian, As uh, Georgia's uh, health commissioner, Fitzgerald, had faced fire for partnering with Atlanta-based Coca-Cola on a student fitness program that emphasized exercise but said nothing at all about sugary drinks, uh, a cause of obesity in a state with among the uh, worst obesity rate in the nation. A CDC statement cited her quote, complex financial suggest uh, financial interests that have imposed a broad recusal, limiting her ability to complete all her duties as the CDC director. They said due to the nature of these financial interests, Dr. Fitzgerald could not 
divest from them in a definitive period. Um, former government ethics uh, chief Walter Schaub scoffed at that explanation from the CDC. Uh, first, hailing her resignation in a tweet, he said, Hallelujah, opioid Brenda has resigned. Having a CDC director who's recused from opioids at a time when an opioid epidemic is laying waste to the lives of so many Americans was extreme even for this administration. She didn't last a year. Good riddance, opioid Brenda, said Schaub before lambasting uh, the official explanation for her departure as goofy. Uh, citing the uh, statement that said it was due to the nature of these financial interests that she could not divest from her conflicts in a definitive time period. Schaub co called that low-grade baloney. She refused to divest them. POTUS set a bad example. She follows. Now she's out. Bye-bye, opioid Brenda. But, you know, he hires only the best people who apparently know how to resign at a rate never before seen in any presidency. Meanwhile, the DOJ has announced it will not seek a new trial of New Jersey's Democratic U.S. Senator Bob Menendez after his previous trial on corruption and bribery charges had ended in a mistrial, underscoring yet again how impossible the U.S. Supreme Court has made it at this point to criminally convict public officials for taking huge amounts of, uh, of cash and gifts from members of the public. And in what appeared at first only to be an interesting metaphor for the GOP, uh, but uh, quickly turned tragic on Wednesday, uh, a chartered Amtrak train carrying the Republican House Caucus to a retreat in West Virginia struck a garbage truck in rural Virginia. No lawmakers or aides were reported as injured, but the White House said one person on the garbage truck was killed and another was seriously hurt. So maybe it still is an interesting metaphor, although not as amusing as previously uh, discussed this morning by many on Twitter. Uh, lastly here for now, South Carolina Congressman Trey, Trey Gowdy, made famous as the former... Um, Chair of the House panel investigating claims of wrongdoing by Hillary Clinton in the endless Benghazi probe. He added his name on Wednesday to the growing list of congressional committee chairmen on the Republican side, announcing that they will not seek re-election. Gowdy was elected in the 2010 Tea Party wave that returned control of the House to Republicans. He is now the ninth House committee chair to head for the exits. And the uh, so far 34th Republican member of the U.S. House, I believe my number is right there, 34th member of the U.S. House to resign or announce he will not be running for re-election this year as Democrats hope to take back at least uh, 24 seats, I think is what it is, that they would need to take over control of the U.S. House this this fall in the crucial midterm elections. For their part, Democrats will only have to defend 13 open seats at at, uh, at last count this November. Uh, all right, uh, there is, uh, and the news continues to break, but I need to get to the State of the Union address on Tuesday night, Trump's first as president. In, uh, in their Monday preview of the address, the New York Times quoted President Bill Clinton's former State of the Union speechwriter Michael Waldman noting that Teleprompter Trump sounds like a regular president. 
off the teleprompter, uh, Trump sounds like a fill-in radio talk show host. Ouch. I take that uh, as a slam at fill-in radio talk show host, personally. <laughs> uh, nonetheless, it was um, mostly teleprompter Trump who showed up for the first official State of the Union address on Tuesday night. Though, if you paid close attention, he slipped in quite a quite a bit of right-wing talk radio content in the bargain. And, of course, the entire affair was anything but normal, as you might have expected these days. A dozen or so progressive Democratic uh, U.S. House members boycotted the speech altogether, though neither Desi or I were as lucky. Uh, a bunch of uh, a bunch yeah. of other Democratic lawmakers brought Dreamers with them as their guests on Tuesday night. Those are, of course, the children of immigrants who came to this country illegally decades ago with their parents. Uh, that happened amid the uh, ongoing fight to restore the Obama-era DACA program that protected those kids from deportation, at least until Donald Trump reversed that protection. Now it is threatening some 800,000 of those kids uh, with the threat of uh, deportation as early as March 5, just over a month, unless legislation can be passed to protect them once again. Prior to this speech... Arizona Republican uh, Congressman Paul Gosar, one hell of a guy, asked the Capitol Police to arrest what he called the illegal immigrants when they arrived at the speech with members of Congress. Happily, that did not happen. Gosar was ignored. Just four Supreme Court justices were in attendance for the address, two appointed by Republicans, two by Democrats. That would be Chief Justice Roberts and Justices Breyer, Kagan, and, uh, and Gorsuch, who enjoys the seat that was stolen for him by the Republican Party. They were the only ones to attend in what has become a smaller and smaller group each year over the last decade or so, uh, from back when all uh, nine of the court's justices were routinely present for such occasions. The First Lady Melania Trump broke with tradition, by arriving in a separate car from the President of the United States amid rumors about their relationship in the fallout after the Wall Street Journal's reported revelations that uh, Trump paid $130,000 to a porn star as hush money just before the 2016 presidential election in order to keep her from talking about their alleged Sexual tryst a decade earlier, just after Melania had given birth to their son. CBS Mark uh, uh, White House reporter Mark Knoller reported that the First Lady's office says Mrs. Trump had hosted a White House reception for the presidential guests invited to the uh, speech and uh, accompanied them to the Capitol for another reception there with the Second Lady, the wife of uh, Vice President Mike Pence. So that's why she was not riding with the president to the Capitol, at least according to the First Lady's office. However, after the speech, Jennifer Jacobs of Bloomberg News noted that uh, that the First Lady, quote, who was given a warm reception when she entered, just left the Capitol alone again. She made no comment to the press, according to Jacobs. Make of all of that what you will. Did I mention this speech was anything but normal? Uh, Trump's address... Uh, took place among historically low approval ratings for a president in his first year. Historically low for almost any year, to be frank. Public policy polling noted just before the speech that just 37% of voters think Trump has made America great again. 57% say he has not. 
There were some protests outside of the Capitol building on Tuesday night in advance of the speech uh, as uh, they awaited Trump's motorcade from the White House with protesters holding signs and chanting, lock him up. One sign read, everybody hates you. Oh, my. Another uh, said uh, the state of our union is a plutocracy. Hard to argue. You know, just another day in Trump's America and a perfectly normal State of the Union address as delivered pretty much straight from the teleprompter by Donald Trump to a joint session of Congress in what turned out to be the third longest State of the Union address in history, largely because Trump stopped and waited or insisted upon applause after pretty much every single line of the address. The lengthy speech led Michigan's former Democratic congressman, John Dingell, who is, by the way, 91 years old. He has the longest congressional tenure in U.S. history, and he still has a great Twitter feed. It led him to quip right after the speech, quote, Congratulations! Everyone who watched this entire speech is now the same age as me. Best of luck. <laughs> Uh, well, I know I certainly feel like I'm 91 uh, years old these days for some reason. As to the actual content and substance of the address, well, as expected, Trump littered it with lies and half-truths at best. One line after another, either misleadingly, uh, well, misleading entirely or lacking the context to make it anything more than a 2018 campaign stump speech in truth. Regarding the economy and other things, including some fairly offensive remarks suggesting that immigrants were little more than violent criminals. But overall, he kept his Twitter voice in check, opting to use his uh, presidential act instead, for the most part, in what will either go well, go over well enough for the American public or will otherwise be completely forgotten within hours as uh, as news breaks and he unleashes his next offensive tweet. Joining us now to try and make some sense out of all of this, including perhaps some of the actual content of Trump's first State of the Union address, is for the first time here on the broadcast, Tara Devlin. She's a New York-based comedian, writer, political commentator, founder of RepublicanDirtyTricks.com, now known as RDTDaily.com. She's the host of the Tara Buster podcast, as heard on uh, Sunday on our great affiliate partners, Progressive Voices and GDPR Revolution 99. Tara Devlin, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you so much. That was quite a first 10 minutes i do feel like i've aged a thousand years uh, just just from my years. just from my 10 minutes i know i know <laughs> no i mean in no, general no i, I i'm I, glad i'm not alone you know <laughs> that's the whole thing i i, I hear you and i agree with you <laughs> uh, also our old friend uh, dave johnson former senior fellow at the progressive policy organization's campaign for america's future and the center for media and democracy and still the founder of the long-lived progressive blog, seeingtheforest.com. Now in, uh, I think, uh, if my math is right, Dave, it's a 16th year over there? I think so. Oh, you've lost so. track as well. Yeah, I actually am that old, so... I, I know, that's true. You are. I met you. Uh, in any event, uh, <laughs> thanks both of you for joining here. Uh, to be to be frank, i got to tell you, 
I'm not at all certain what yardstick we we should be using to measure any of this. Uh, you know, like everything right. else in the Trump era, it, it, as noted, nothing is normal. He, but his teeth, however, did not fall out. He didn't use any curse <laughs> words. Unfortunately. Right? Uh, he didn't uh, directly yeah. insult any black celebrities. So I guess it was a success by those measures. But let's start with the big picture before we'll, uh, we'll take a break and come back to some of the uh, specific issues and sound bites and so forth. But let me start with you, Tara. The The White House uh, suggested before the speech that Trump was hoping to bring the American people together with this address. Did anything like that happen as far as you could tell? No. Uh, he he pits people against each other and, and wraps it in this lofty rhetoric of this faux patriotism. So we we salute our beautiful flag. Mm-hmm. What what are the symbols of patriotism when you're you're leaving people behind? That and I've been saying this for a long time, and this is what I'm I'm glad that I hear the Democratic Party in general adopting this frame that it, it, real patriots don't leave people behind. So when you celebrate kicking millions of people off of health care, that's the opposite of patriotic. Mm-hmm. So you can wrap yourself in the flag and sing a teary-eyed rendition of America the Beautiful with your hand over your made-in-China American uh, lapel pins, American flag lapel pin, but it doesn't mean you're a patriot. In fact, they just, they use patriotism like uh, Stormy Daniels, you know, plays her, her, you know, uh, tricks for the uh, sex industry. They wrap it, it's it's the same thing. It's, uh, they show a little leg for, for Trump, you know, he's showing his patriotism. I love America. You, you love, uh, he loves fleecing America. He loves having his, his rapacious gullet wrapped on the federal treasury now. And that's the thing that's so concerning is that what, I didn't know what the hell I was watching last night. Well, Everybody I- applauding. They, I, I mean, I- that's, he should, this guy is a compromised agent of a foreign dictator. He is, no Democrats should have been in the room. That's what I. That's what I think. Well, and you know, that's interesting because I want to ask about that, uh, uh, Dave. Uh, well, d- did the boycotting uh, the progressive Democrats? There was about a dozen who didn't show up. Did that? Uh, did they do anything to help their case against Trump, or does that ultimately somehow help him? Uh, you know, I worry, Dave uh, Johnson, that it's that all of this is sort of further debasing the office of the presidency, but. Uh, at least without a full boycott, as uh, Tara refers to, of the entire caucus. Um, so, uh, you know, I, that would have sent a real message. But 12 leaving, uh, I worry, but maybe I worry too much. Dave, your thoughts on that? Well, I think the ones that left, they had good reasons. I'm not sure it was as, as much of a statement as, uh, well, I was going to boycott it, but I had to watch it because of you <laughs> asking me to be on the show. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> So I, I don't know. I don't know. I think I respect the ones that did, but I also respect the ones that didn't. So uh, so in the bigger picture, I want, I want to go back to mm-hmm. your introduction, your 10-minute introduction. Yes. Because I, <laughs> I, I want to correct one thing, because okay. I think it goes back to what we're going to talk about. Representative, is it Gosser? Is that how, you, how it's... Uh, anyway, uh, he, yeah. he didn't ask that the Dreamers be arrested. He asked that everybody attending have their ID checked for citizenship and arrest the ones that aren't. And that, that's a big part of this, because all of this citizenship nonsense, it's all about, you know, everybody's a suspect now. 
and mm. you are too, and you better have your papers ready because that's that's literally what he said. Mm. And that were re- that really was a message that was. Uh, sort of permeated uh, throughout the evening, yeah. I think. Yeah, I think it began yeah. the divisiveness. That was just the kickoff of the divisiveness. I mean, the speech right. was, I thought, incredibly divisive. I mean, and I know that in the past you'd hear Republicans saying, oh, Obama is so incredibly divisive in his State of the Union speech. If you compare the two, you would be able to see that there's absolutely no truth to that for the past. But my goodness, he actually took the opportunity to punch at NFL players who are peacefully protesting police brutality by taking a knee at the national anthem. I mean, he made a point. He spent a great deal of time on making that point. I mean, it just was incredibly divisive. Tara, uh, I was struck by the virtual parade of grieving victims that were sort of used as props. the families, uh, you know, who, whose children were said to have been gunned down by gang members, the parents of a of the young man who died shortly after his release from a North Korean prison, and I'm, I got to say, I was extremely uncomfortable by their use as props in this way. I, you know, d- this has been happening for a while with presidents, but. Do you did Obama bring all of these grieving family members? I recall sort of inspirational heroes, not you know right, broken exactly. family members. Am I wrong? That's right, because that's he he needs to cultivate fear. That's the uh, that's the agenda now. In, in order for them to steal and to maintain this plutocracy that they have, they need people fighting amongst each other and living in fear and not questioning exactly what's going on. Be, uh, oh, we're supposed to uh, have deference for the office of the presidency. That's what I heard a lot of Democrats say. Oh, we're here because we mm-hmm. we respect the office. But that's almost like pretending that this is normal. That it is not normal what's going on. And it's, all, it's almost the, like pretending he's president. Well, yeah, right. pretending he is president and him elevating uh, these gangs apparently. The, the get, uh, he's, he's elevating them to superhero status. Even Kim Jong Un, he gives him uh, he gives him a lot more credit than he really deserves. He's making him into some kind of supervillain. So, of yeah. course, I think Trump. You know, Trump wants to have a war, so he that's in fact what he said I, uh, today or yesterday during during uh, something I read where. Mm-hmm. He, he said that they that's that would be a unifying event. Oh yeah, he, the, yeah. That, that he that talked about yeah having a war. He wasn't talking about him himself uh, being successful, but uh, that uh, a, a, a an event would need to occur to help him be a successful president. Right. Des, i got to get to a break, but go ahead, uh, give me your thoughts. Well, quick. when you mentioned the parade of grieving families, that made me uncomfortable as well, but it was obviously intended to link these families whose children were killed by uh, undocumented immigrants, supposedly, and link that to his immigration policies and trying to make it sound completely wrong, of course, that immigrants commit crimes when they don't. And we'll get to that later, I'm sure. They don't commit crimes at the same rate as native-born Americans. But of course, you wouldn't know that if you listened to Trump or to the Republicans. Let's take a quick break here and uh, come back with uh, some uh, clips. Speaking of uh, immigration, speaking of the economy, speaking of infrastructure uh, and all of the other stuff and nonsense that he brought up. Uh, We'll take a quick break. We'll talk about that 
Uh, and my guests are Tara Devlin, Dave Johnson, and of course, Desi Doyen, trying to make sense of this 90-minute, historic 90-minute speech. Only Bill Clinton was longer in his State of the Union addresses, and Republicans used to complain about that all the time. Quick break, and we're back with more. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com slash donate, and thanks. We will build gleaming new roads, bridges, highways, railways, and waterways all across our land. And we will do it with American heart, American hands, and American grit. Yes, we will. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com, our special post-State of the Union coverage. Uh, very American. With my guests, Dave Johnson, Tara Devlin, and of course, Desi Doyen in studio with us here. Uh, in, in what Trump attempted to frame as a, quote, new American moment in his uh, State of the Union address, tweeting just beforehand Tommy Vitor, host of the uh, Pod Save America podcast, and uh, former Obama spokesperson uh, tweeted, quote, I thought Trump's new American moment line sounded familiar. Sure enough, here it is in a 2010 speech by Hillary Clinton. So there you go. Uh, well, OK, as far as I can tell, uh, the only thing Republicans have to run on this year in truth is uh, racism and the economy. And while I don't think the president made any new converts necessarily to his positions on race, uh, he, he spent quite a bit of time equating immigration with crime. But I want to first start on the economy, since I think that is what will play the largest part, at least within uh, Republicans' control here, uh, of their campaign to try to hang on to both chambers of Congress this fall. Here was uh, Donald Trump making just a few of his claims about the economy after his first year in office. Since the election, we have created 2.4 million new jobs, including including 200,000 new jobs in manufacturing alone. Tremendous number. After years and years of wage stagnation, we are finally seeing rising wages. Are we? 
Uh, Dave Johnson, I suspect that's the um, 32nd version of what we're sort of going to be hearing all this year from all of the Republicans. Uh, is it true that the economy is now firing on all pistons, wages are finally rising, and it's all thanks to Donald Trump and the Republican policies? The economy is firing. Uh, wages are rising a little bit. It's not particularly different from before Trump was elected, except for one thing. 2017 had the slowest job growth since 2010, by Mm -hmm. the way, in a larger economy. So, no, Trump has done nothing that helps this, and he's done quite a bit that's going to make a a big difference, unfortunately, not until after the 2018 election, which is the plan. Uh, Remember the stimulus Mm -hmm. that, that Democrats refused to defend. They came out and just had far too little money. They refused to defend it. I know we're going to get into Trump's supposed $1.5 trillion infrastructure, but there was the stimulus. Now, here's what you're seeing with this talk is the difference. Trump understands that to get elected, you've got to promote what you do, even if he's going to promote what Obama did and say it's him. Mm-hmm. Democrats didn't. That was a huge part of how we ended up with Trump, I think. You're talking about the stimulus that took place after the, the global economic crash yeah, yeah, that, uh, when Obama, Obama came to office. Yeah. And they, they put out a stimulus half as much as it should have been because they were so scared, timid. You know, they didn't want to have big numbers because everybody was afraid of government deficits, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So, so the political operation of the Obama White House was basically inept. They did, they did none of this. Which Trump is is you know just every taking credit for everything and overly so. Whereas the Democrats basically did not, never coordinated a message, never had an economic narrative, et cetera, et cetera. We've all heard this before, but I just wanted to mm-hmm. to, to point out the politics of this. He's actually making stuff up and stuff, but he's doing it. Democrats wouldn't even talk about the great stuff that they did, did and then later, then later when everybody was feeling terrible, they tried to say everybody's feeling great. Democrats are uh, terrible at politics. They're better at policy, but not politics. Uh, And that certainly seems to underscore that. Uh, Tara Devlin, it usually matters a lot to the American electorate how well the economy is doing. Uh, We got 10 more months of this now. Uh, Presuming it doesn't go south, we're going to hear 10 more months of those kind of claims from uh, Trump and the GOP. Uh, Will will they succeed in fooling the American public? Uh, Will they get credit for uh, for this? Uh, Or do you get the sense that voters are still crediting the Obama administration with the uh, current economy? Well, I think that there's always going to be that bottom line base of Trump supporters, Mm -hmm. that they're not going anywhere, and they will believe anything that comes out of his mouth. But I think that once people start going to file their taxes and whatnot, and they find out the the deductions that have, that they're not able to deduct anymore, Mm -hmm. and the, uh, you know, all all the deductions that hit the middle class and working class, like teachers not being able to deduct school supplies and uh, truckers not being able to deduct their mileage and people who drive. Uh, I, these that's important for people, and I think that that that'll start sticking in people's craws. And also, the, the lies will uh, eventually be uh, exposed. But I think that uh, ultimately it doesn't matter. There's a lot. There's this this system is so broken right now, and that's why we really need Democrats to be unapologetic and fight for 
the life of this democracy, because otherwise it's over. I, I really believe that if we don't get it back in the midterm elections and start turning it around, the damage that they have done, that we're not going to get it back. It's, we are living in an oligarchy. The, uh, the fact that we have a media that talks about a donor class with a straight face, mm-hmm. why, why, what is a donor class? That's, a, that's an oligarch. I I know I, I I know they're not donating to me. I wish they were. Uh, let I me, know, right? <laughs> let me get. Hey, let me point something out yeah, about that tax thing. They don't fill yeah. out those tax forms till after the 2018 election. They do it the following, beginning of the following year. Between now and then, the government's going to fudge with the tax withholding tables to make people feel like they're taking home a lot more than they are. On the other hand, I want to I want to point out something that he's talking about all these thousand dollar bonuses mm-hmm. and all these people that are getting all these bonuses from the tax cuts well the reality is very 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 few people as a percentage are getting those so i i right. wonder if it's a mistake on their part they're talking about all these people that are getting bonuses and some people getting big bonuses when most people aren't getting them at all they're, those people are going to wonder wait a minute who's getting right. those bonuses i'm exactly. not so it might reinforce Democratic points about it. I, I would hope right. so. And also, you know, these are one-time bonuses that are temporary, that, that don't come back afterwards. Right. Exactly. Also, I just want to point out one thing, a fact check here, uh, that Trump, he dramatically overstated the benefits of the tax cut that he passed with the Republicans, the benefits of the tax cut to the middle class. He said that a typical family of four making $75,000 will see their tax bill reduced by $4,000, but actually, according to Nonpartisan Taxation Committee, for families earning less than 75000 the tax cut will be less than half of that, less than $1,000. But again, right. that will only be in 2019 after the midterm elections when it will be too late for taxpayers and voters to hold Republicans accountable. Yes, but what they will be delighted about is that they won't have to pay a penalty for not having health care. They'll be delighted that they can get rid of their health care entirely, apparently. Uh, this is something that uh, Trump was singing his and the GOP's praises for uh, for cutting uh, taxes. Never mind that it blows a $1.5 trillion hole in the deficit. But uh, he went on to describe what he uh, called, uh, he called that the largest in American history. But then he talked about what was the cruelest tax of all. We eliminated an especially cruel tax that fell mostly on Americans, making less than $50,000 a year, forcing them to pay tremendous penalties simply because they couldn't afford government-ordered health plans. We repealed the core of the disastrous Obamacare. The individual mandate is now gone. Yeah, so in truth, it's not the largest uh, cut uh, tax cut in American history. It's the 12th largest, but, you know, facts. Uh, Tara, despite right. uh, their attempt to uh, kill Obamacare, as he described it there, the Affordable <laughs> Care Act, uh, that lives. It had uh, nearly record sign-ups this year, and uh, the Republicans don't seem to have any new plans to repeal and replace it. Um, does their anti-health care fetish ultimately... Uh, to help or harm Republicans. And by the way, do Democrats have any actual plan to fight back or is just keeping the Affordable Care Act from being killed? Is that enough for them to move forward in 2018? Well, I think that when people see, because I, I, I uh, have Obamacare, I, mm-hmm. I get my insurance on the exchange mm-hmm. and it went up. It went up a lot because of 
Trump and the Republicans just, uh, you know, mm-hmm. playing with uh, the, it's really the Republican health care plan, as we know. And that's why there's problems with it. So the fact is, if Demo- Democrats really need to seize the opportunity and push for single payer, I know that a lot of, not every Democrat is for that, but that's, that's the remedy here. You, this is the whole remedy for the Democratic Party. I will give you a, the winning strategy. It is everybody in, nobody out. We don't leave anybody behind. That is the Democratic Party value. And that is why FDR was so smart when he created Social Security. It was for everybody. And he actually said that, so no po- damn politician can ever scrap my program. Dave Johnson. And, and Medicare, same thing. Uh, yeah, and Medicare. Okay. Dave, uh, the Democrats have a single-payer bill that, that uh, got support now from a number of uh, potential 2020 presidential candidates in the in the Senate. Uh, but do they have the guts to run on it, or are they still largely oh, yeah. cowering yeah. in that regard, Bernie, Dave? Bernie won that one. Uh, does, right. does every single person that's talking about running for president on the Democratic side supported that Medicare for All plan or something similar. So right. I, obviously Bernie won that one, and, and I think politicians who have their fingers in the wind, they get that, that, that the public wants that. I mean, how can you be against Medicare? You know, I mean, why does the government prohibit people under 65 from it, you know? So, yeah, that, that's a no-brainer. So, yeah, I think that's coming. I'm not I'm not sure that uh, Bernie won that one, uh, to be frank. I don't see, I see a lot of Democrats coming on board, but I think it's going to take a long time. I think they're still uh, frightened. But uh, as long as we're on uh, medical care here, let me play this clip, Dave. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, Donald Trump talking about uh, how uh, drug prices are going to plummet now thanks to some secret scheme of his. One of my greatest priorities is to reduce the price of prescription drugs. In many other countries, these drugs cost far less than what we pay in the United States. And it's very, very unfair. That is why I've directed my administration to make fixing the injustice of high drug prices one of my top priorities for the year. And prices will come down substantially. Watch. <laughs> don't don't laugh, Desi Doyen. Uh, Dave Johnson, what's he what's he talking about there? Uh, it's a well, very me, popular idea among Democrats, but how are, how is he going to get the prices down? Let me that to introduce a bigger picture about Trump and this and everything, and that is that Trump isn't involved in policy, has no idea on policy, doesn't care about policy, and just says stuff. And then the people that his various donors have forced into the administration go ahead and do whatever the hell they want. The person that Trump put in charge of that uh, is somebody who in a pharmaceutical company was responsible for pharmaceutical companies dramatically raising prices across the board. He's putting that, uh, he's not. Mm-hmm. The, the administration, the powers behind the administration are putting those kinds of people in, just like how they're gutting the consumer finance agency, all of these things they're doing. That's, that's just, you know, that's going to be one of those things that in a few months Trump's going to deny he said, etc. And it ain't <laughs> going to happen the opposite is going to happen, just like on almost every other policy thing that when it comes down to it, Trump doesn't know what his administration's doing, frankly. 
he doesn't he doesn't know what his own administration is doing he doesn't know how any of this is going to happen but that doesn't stop him from announcing it and i guess i want to say and i'll put this in quotes to his credit he has actually come up with an actual immigration uh proposal a specific one of a sort now you know after moving back and forth all over the place over the past couple of years he received loud boos in the chamber this was the only place where this actually happened uh, and we had to cut this down because he came up with what he called his his four pillar plan for immigration and well let's let's play this and then we'll talk about it we presented congress with a detailed proposal that should be supported by both parties as a fair compromise, one where nobody gets everything they want. The first pillar generously offers a path to citizenship for 1.8 million illegal immigrants who were brought here by their parents at a young age will be able to become full citizens of the United States over a 12-year period. The second pillar fully secures the border. That means building a great wall on the southern border. The third pillar ends the visa lottery, a program that randomly hands out green cards without any regard for skill, merit, (laughs) or the safety of American people. The fourth and final pillar protects the nuclear family by ending chain migration. Under the current broken system, a single immigrant can bring in virtually unlimited numbers of distant relatives. Also not true. Under our plan, we focus on the immediate family by limiting sponsorships to spouses and minor children. This vital reform is necessary not just for our economy, but for our security and for the future of America. These four pillars represent a down-the-middle compromise Okay, then, a down-the-middle compromise. That's the crux of his uh, immigration proposal. Basically, we'll allow the the Dreamers, the the DACA kids, to stay. They can have uh, citizenship after 12 years. Remember, mind you, uh, many of them have been in this country for decades at this point, but if they wait another 12 years, they'll uh, be allowed to have citizenship as long as we build a wall and the visa lottery program, which has serious vetting, by the way. It's not, as he said, that they're just giving away green cards. It's a lot to apply to be able to allow to apply and uh and what he calls chain migration which is really family reunification and it only allows direct relatives not this virtually unlimited number that he talked about uh so uh tara very quickly because we got to get to a break here uh this is something that will have to be passed before march 5 uh somehow to protect the daca kids i mean is is this a down the middle compromise or anything like it please it's 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 another flimflam uh, plan from uh, the the greatest con man who ever lived. That's that's what it is. We have to acquiesce to this boondoggle wall for no good reason except to stroke this guy's ego. This is unbelievable what I'm seeing here. That we have to put the lives of people who don't know any other country but this country on the line. And uh, you know where where's the compassion? Where's the compassion and conservatism? It's, uh, it doesn't exist. Well, that really. died, yeah, that died a decade or so ago at least. Uh, Dave, I want to get your thoughts on this, but let me play one more clip here, uh, which is what I, I believe the uh, uh, Trump's only reference to dreamers in the entire speech. 
and it was not the sort of reference you might expect. My greatest compassion, my constant concern, is for America's children, America's struggling workers, and America's forgotten communities. So tonight, I am extending an open hand to work with members of both parties, Democrats and Republicans, to protect our citizens of every background, color, religion, and creed. The sacred duty of every elected official in this chamber is to defend Americans, to protect their safety, their families, their communities, and their right to the American dream. Because Americans are dreamers, too. Dave, uh, Dave Johnson, that was, as I said, I think the only reference to dreamers, but it was about Americans, uh, <laughs> dreamers. Uh, it, it received that comment, received an approving tweet from uh, former KKK Grand Wizard David Duke, who said, thank you, President Trump. Americans are dreamers, too. Uh, most yeah, of the Duke discussion. What's that? Duke, Duke heard the dog whistle loud and clear. Mm-hmm. Protecting us, keeping us safe protecting our border by building a wall, criminal immigrants who kill people. All through this, he talked about immigrants as being dangerous, and we have to protect Americans from immigrants, their safety, the criminals. It just went on like that. Here's the the most obvious part. Okay, so let's say he says we have to protect our borders from drugs and gangs and terrorists. But no wall with Canada. Right. Did that say everything right there? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, uh, Des, you had a thought? Yeah, I, his entire... This is an ethnic cleansing plan. Ooh. He, right. This is about people of color out, white people in. Yeah, and limiting legal immigration from, from everybody who isn't white. Uh, it it's really was the triumph of white identity politics, the kind of white identity yep. politics that the Republican Party has been peddling for literally decades. And, and I just want to say, his entire description of our immigration laws was really inaccurate, and it seems like he ought to be required to at least understand how the programs actually work exactly. if he's going to talk yeah. about them. Uh, well, if understanding how be, yeah how you know, anything works, he would not world. have. If that was a requirement, he wouldn't be the president of the United States at this point. Uh, but you know what? What sort of drove me crazy was for all of the talk about uh, immigration, which he you know turned into some sort of national security threat. Um, there was nothing about. Uh, the Las Vegas massacre where 500 Americans were gunned down just weeks ago or any of the other scores of massacres that have taken place since Donald Trump has taken office. There was uh, no talk. And Desi, I know we'll 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 cover it in uh, in our next Green News report. No doubt uh, his comments about uh, energy and so forth. But there was really no talk about. Uh, about climate change that has killed far more Americans this year, this year, and has cost the nation hundreds of billions of dollars, much more than any sort of, uh, you know, undocumented uh, 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 immigrants. So, you know, domestic terrorism, climate change, no time for that in uh, the State of the Union address, uh, apparently. All right, we, we need to take one more quick break. We'll come back with a little bit more, including uh, hopefully um, some thoughts on the Democratic response uh, given by Congressman Joe Kennedy the third.
I'm with my guest Dave Johnson, Tara Devlin, of course Desi Doyen. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. <laughs> Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence, because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com slash donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. Mr. Speaker, Mr. Vice President, Members of Congress, Vladimir Putin, the state of our union is a mess. I believe strongly in lying and lying and lying. Don't forget, I gave a lot of money to a porn star. We have begun to drain the swamp of members of my cabinet. The time has come to recognize that Donald Trump was never the right solution for our country. Just stop you crying, it's a sign of the times. Yes, it is. <laughs> Welcome to the final show. Welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. That was actually not Donald Trump's State of the Union address. It was, however, Stephen Colbert's take on it. Uh, following the uh, State of the Union address on Tuesday night. Was it Tuesday? Yes, Tuesday night uh, in Washington, D.C., Donald Trump's first. We've got just a few more minutes here with my guests Dave Johnson and Tara Devlin. Um, uh, Dave, I know you wanted to talk about this infrastructure scheme that uh, Donald Trump has been talking about, reaching out, pretending the Democrats are going to be interested in it because they've been pushing for infrastructure improvements over the past eight years and being blocked by Republicans. Now Donald Trump has something that he's uh, sort of deceptively describing as a $1.5 trillion infrastructure bill to rebuild our uh, crumbling roads and bridges, etc. I know you had some thoughts on that. He says it's a trillion and a half. By the way, compare that to Democrat timidity because of being scared of deficits. He says it's a trillion and a half. It's $200 billion of government tax credits and subsidies to corporations that they say will trigger a trillion and a half. But in their proposal, they talk about oil pipelines as being part of that. This is for things these companies were going to do anyway, largely. In such cases that they might actually do private or public infrastructure, that's privatizing that public infrastructure. So we will pay tolls to them to cross our bridges and drive on our roads. So this is a huge scam. It's privatization, but more than that, it's just big handouts to the usual crony corporate suspects. Yeah, and just a reminder that when your public assets get sold off or get privatized, you almost never get them back. Let me ask uh, Tara very quickly, as we have uh, just a, a few minutes here. Um, Tara, I know that uh, as a New Yorker, you saw the World Trade Towers fall on 9-11, and you decided to join the National Guard afterwards. So I want to get your thoughts on on this. Uh, two points. Uh, one, well, Donald Trump's, uh, let's first do Donald Trump's uh, uh, remarks about uh, nuclear weapons. We must modernize and rebuild build our nuclear arsenal, hopefully never having to use it, but making it so strong and so powerful that it will deter any acts of aggression 
by any other nation or anyone else. Perhaps someday in the future, there will be a magical moment when the countries of the world will get together to eliminate their nuclear weapons. Unfortunately, we are not there yet, sadly. So our existing nuclear weapons are not a deterrent already, Tara? Well, having more military might than all the other countries in the world combined, I guess that's just not, it's not bigly enough for <laughs> this, this con man. And it's terrifying. We should, be t- we should be terrified that Donald Trump is talking about expanding uh, nuclear weapons. And the, it's, it, it's not a, a deterrent. It's, it's, it's suicide. For especially, I mean, this really, I, have to, I always have to think, what the hell is wrong with us? Why? I mean, Donald Trump is the president. Why is this happening? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> he is not qualified. He's a con man. He he was not. He's not even a successful businessman. Let, he played one on television. Let me ask you about uh, this other point, uh, Tara. Since, as I said, you served in the National Guard after nine eleven, uh, just before the State of the Union uh, address. Apparently, Donald Trump signed an executive order to keep the extra constitutional prison at Guantanamo Bay open. Uh, That got applause from Republicans, but many Republicans and Democrats alike have called for it to be closed uh, for years. It was actually Democrats who blocked it uh, being closed. Uh, Harry Reid in the Senate years ago, Uh, someone who served after 9-11. I'm interested in your thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it should be closed because it's nothing but a, a recruiting uh, poster for any terrorist. I mean, that's the thing with, with Donald Trump and people who think that you could fight fire with fire. You're not fighting fire with fire. You're just creating more terrorists. You're, you're creating a never-ending cycle of hatred. And I'm not saying, oh, you know, there's the peace and love liberal, to, uh, but you need to have a, a plan of treating people with humanity and dignity and ultimately that you winning hearts and minds otherwise it's never going to end and having uh, you know torturing people is it's actually is it, it degrades us more than it degrades the uh the people that were supposedly uh are so bad but that's uh it's they they don't have the strength to see that it takes strength to live up to uh, your uh you know your your laws and your and to have ideals it it reminds me of uh general washington who said that during the american revolution would what how they would treat the prisoners of war who were treating the american uh prisoners of war pretty uh heinously and he said give them no cause for complaint Mm. i want because we are we are you know we're building a thing that uh it's bigger than what we're you know what's this one war it's uh we're building an idea i fear and, uh, i fear that uh the never-ending nature of it as you describe uh, is actually uh, more a feature than a bug right, uh, exactly. i've got just a minute or so left here so let me ask uh, uh dave johnson a 37 year old grandson of robert f kennedy um massachusetts congressman joseph kennedy the third gave the democratic response 
uh, to Donald Trump's uh, address uh, from Fall Rivers, Massachusetts, from a, a vocational school, I think. Uh, he had an audience which was smart about time. I've been calling for that for years for Democrats to figure that out in these usually, uh, you know, these these empty studios where they give these uh, responses with no applause, which always sounds pathetic. Um, so. Kennedy offered what sounded like a very populist speech, if one that sounded at least a bit stilted to me. Uh, as a longtime diehard progressive, uh, Dave Johnson, did Kennedy's response offer any hope to you for a progressive future? Actually, I went in watching it expecting to hate it. I thought it was good. I liked it. Okay. I thought it was successful. But the line in it that was so good is he talked about how they offer this versus that, this versus that, and then he said, let's do both. I thought that was great. Hey, that's, you know, I, th I was very happy. So I did, I'm not giving him enough credit, huh? Because I was... Mm. Oh, yeah, he, it seemed over-rehearsed and all of that, but it was good. I liked it. All right, Tara, very quickly, 15 right. seconds, your thoughts. It wasn't, it wasn't embarrassing like the, every <laughs> other Republican response, you know, so I, I thought that it was good. And it did feel sincere on some level, and, but yeah, I, uh, it certainly had a vision of, uh, of unity. It, it's kind of, isn't it, uh, kind of, you know, to think about where we are and, and to have a country that, that really is, a, is really compassionate. Exactly. Doesn't leave people behind. That's, uh, to think about a country like that, that's, that is the strength of what it means to be an American. And Desi, I hope, and I hope that they push that yeah. through. I would also mention, however, that he did not talk about climate change either. Uh, right. Oh, he right. didn't, did That's he? right. But I was glad to see that at least they're trying to embrace the uh, the values of inclusivity and uh, reject the Republicans' Hunger Games approach. <laughs> the Republicans' <laughs> Hunger Games approach. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen, our producer. My thanks also to my guest today, uh, Tara Devlin. You can find her on the Twitters at RealTaraDevlin. And you can find uh, also her uh, work at RDTDaily.com. And you can and should listen to her. Her, listen for her on progressivevoices.com. You can find my guest Dave Johnson uh, at seeingtheforest.com and on the Twitters at DC Johnson. I want to thank you uh, both of you guys for joining us uh, today. You. It is greatly appreciated. Thanks oh, for having us. Thank and, you uh, so much. Subscribe to Tara's YouTube channel. What, what's that? Oh. Subscribe to Tara's oh, yeah. YouTube channel. Check out yeah, Tara Devlin's. To my YouTube yes. channel as well. There you go. Well plugged, both of you. Uh, you can find me, speaking of plugs, on the Facebooks and the Twitters at the Brad Blog. You can drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. If you missed any portion of today's broadcast, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Though we do thank those of you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us continue to do what we try to do every day over your public airwaves. Is that it? I think that's it. We'll say that's it. Now I'm 92 years old. All right, until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.